done it. Now Caruso runs a break. Caldwell Pope goes to the wing here. Play at the defensive end, got blown by back. Oh, yes! Hook jam! Hard step back, puts up the three, got hit, shot's good! And one! What's up, what's up, everybody? It's your boy, Kendall K. Howard, and I'm back again with another episode of Trey Ball with, of course, it's your boy, Bucket Patrol, or you can call me G Buckets, or the winner of this argument, whatever you want to say. I go by many names. George Bell, ladies and gentlemen, Bucket Patrol man himself, uh, Mr. 2K Lee guy himself. Uh, for little, Let's start with some congratulatory, uh, celebra- celebratory things right here. Bucket Patrol man, what, what you been doing lately, dog? I, I know you, I, I see you got a, a, a golden arch uh, behind your back. Got got you got got them supporting you now. Go ahead, speak on yourself, young man. While I drink some tea. Uh, of course, you know uh, things have been shaking and baking a little bit on the two K bucket patrol side of things. Obviously, on business, business, those things are going well. But talking more on the basketball sense, I've been more on the video game side than the actual side. Uh, just had this brand partnership with uh, McDonald's. Some other things that I'm hoping to be able to announce here very soon. One of which being that I just got a contract with the NBA 2K League, which is actually owned directly by the NBA. So in a way, I got signed by the NBA. Some way, if you stretch it, there's a little degrees of separation. But yeah, uh, things has been shaking and baking on that. And uh, it's been an interesting time and a lot's been going on. Excited to see what happens in the future. Hey, congratulations to you, man. I know this is a, a big step for you. You got, like I said, you got that golden arch behind you talking about grapefruit and whatnot. Grapefruit. <laughs> Hulu has a lot of sports. McDonald's hey. has grapefruit. <laughs> Y'all be sure to check him, check him out. Check his YouTube channel out, Bucket Patrol, man. We'll be sure to tag this in the video as well so you all can check that out. But uh, you know what we're here for. We, we're here to dive into some NBA topics. You know, I know you in that 2K league round, but let's take it to reality. Let's break it here to the real life. What's going on? Uh, some major news that's going on right now. Uh, Kevin Durant, he returns tomorrow to play as the Warriors on the Saturday primetime game that they have on the ABC. Now, Kevin Durant has been out for the past three games, not for injury, but because of contact tracing of the COVID, of yeah, I guess the COVID, as some people call it, from COVID nineteen, uh, associate of his that he was riding around with the day of the game they played last week against the Raptors, uh, tested positive for COVID, uh, and now it, it started off where he couldn't play. They said he couldn't play in the first quarter, but they let him come off the bench. Eventually, let him go out there. They only pull him again in the third quarter. Now, this this caused some confusion. I was watching the game. I was confused. I was like, hold on. I, I was like, I don't know what's going on. I had to, you know, tell my girlfriend, I'm like, hold on, be quiet, because I don't know what's going on. Where Kevin Durant at? And, you know, it, it was some confusion going on. Even, like, the players, like James Harden, was even confused himself. And he, he talked about it where he doesn't understand – what sense does it make for him to, you know, for the league to even do that, you know, keep him on the court or not keep him on the court, especially when they get tested every day. And his, and he was even tested. Like he, he tested that day and came back negative. And obviously as he's coming back tomorrow, you know, all his results been negative. So it, you know, he makes sense in that because there is like, you know, as we talked about before, just the optics of what the league is trying to do uh, in terms of just how people are going to see, you know, how they're going to respond to the COVID and the protocols they put in place. Um, this also kind of ruined the streak that he was on being like the most, like one of the, amongst NBA all time and like consistently starting games. Uh, George, you know, 
what do you make of this? You know, what do you make of this move that the league did? And was it the right thing for them to do? Or are they, you know, kind of here and there with their protocols and the way they approach it with some of these, you know, games and players? Well, I think it's interesting because obviously they pulled KD, even though he played the first half because there was contact tracing that might have potentially, not that he tested positive, but potentially had him be positive. And they pulled him, which on one end is optics, but then we're going to talk about this a little bit later with the news about the All-Star game. It's kind of the NBA picks and chooses when they care about contact tracing and putting people together when they don't have to. So it, it just is dicey to me. It doesn't really make sense. He's already been exposed to everybody for the first half. I know mm-hmm. technically every time you bump with somebody and make physical contact, that is a heightened chance of being potentially uh, contracting something that they may have. But at that point, you know, he played, I don't know how many minutes he played in the first half, but I'm sure he played at least like 15 to 16. He's been playing a lot of minutes. He's been bumping with a lot of people. He's touching the ball pretty much every possession. He's got his touches on that ball. And at that point, unless you use a hand sanitizer every single time he touched it in the first half, there's nothing that he was going to do in the second half. He already didn't do in the first around being in contact with anybody. So it doesn't really make sense to me. I guess you got to be safe just being safe and sorry, but I, I don't think it really fits well. And I, I don't think it was the right move to make. You know, it's an interesting point you bring, you brought up about like he was already in the game. He was already touching, you know, all these people because my girlfriend even made that point about, you know, it makes, if, that, if that's the case of why they put him out of the game, they should have just stopped the whole game itself. Cause like you said, right. he's already been in the game. He's already touching everybody. Like what, what sense did they make to keep him in? So if you even have like your like non-casual viewers, like making this assessment of what's going on, you know, how, how, how are they really administering these protocols? Because even Kevin Rennie even came out and, you know, he vocalized on Twitter, you know, he says, free me. And, you know, he uh, quoted a tweet that somebody talked about, like how, you know, people on TV are using some of this jargon, you know, to try to, you know, make, you know, just protect themselves. You know, like I said, it's, it's all it's all about yeah. optics. They're kind of doing it. It's all and, about spinning and optics. Yeah. Everything about it is optics. And it's really, and what makes me annoyed by it is that it would be fine if they kept it consistent. But as we're going to talk about later, they didn't. So yeah. it just comes down to what are the NBA standards of what's a worthy risk and what's not. Yeah, because I, I for one, you know, I'm on the side. I'm like, they should just kept them, like, just kept them in the game at that point. It was very confusing. Cause like I said, watching it live, I was confused. Like, what, what is this? Like, what, what sense does it even make? Um, but keeping on James Harden and you know a little bit of the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, he recently just had an interview with Rachel Nichols on uh, from the Jump about his Houston debacle that kind of took place at the beginning of the season. Now I know a lot of people, including yourself, wasn't a big fan of how he handled that situation. And, you know, felt like that what he was doing, kind of being, you know, uh, a wine baby, you know, kind of being selfish, you know, come across like that. And he himself has said, you know, he wished it went differently. You know, excuse me. He said he he wished that he had done it, you know, differently because, you know, even though he wanted to get out of her, the way it was perceived by everybody and the way it looked, he didn't want it to be that way. But he said he had to do what he had to do to get out of there. Uh, he's grateful for the, the Houston Rockets even trading to Brooklyn because, as we all know, that was like his main destination. It's either that or Philly. Mostly, you know, Brooklyn because of Kevin Durant. Um, mm-hmm. And he even says, you know, averaging damn near 40 points a game was exhausting for him towards the end of his tenure because we know James Harden been averaging uppers, the uppers of 30 for the past, what, four years? Three-time yeah. scoring champion, uh, MVP in one of those years as well. So he even, like, admitted that, like, doing that, during his tenure, kind of got kind of got tiring. Now, do you think 
I know I kind of mentioned before how you kind of, you know, you know, looked at it at the time, but now reflecting on it and him coming out and making the statements, do you think James Harden handled that whole situation properly? Or was there a better way he could have went about, you know, requesting a trade and trying to get out of Houston to get to Brooklyn? I think there was a little bit of a dicey it, – it, I can't even say one way or the other because on one end, look, I, I just want to see a brother be happy. If he didn't want to be in Houston, I mean, who am I to tell him that he needs to stay there? Like for me, I've quit jobs and I've declined job interviews and different things for things that I didn't want to be a part of. And nobody's going to sit here and say, oh, well, you should just be grateful that he has an opportunity. He should just shut up and do his job. Like, no. You should definitely do what you want to do to be happy, but there's a right way to go about it. And you know with me, I have a pet peeve about people not showing up to work and being their best self just because they don't they don't want to be there. I've always been from the mindset that if you're getting paid to do something, even if you don't like it, either do your job or get out. And there would have been a more amicable way of him doing that, not throwing the team under the bus. You can see from when he when the rumors of him not wanting to be on the team versus how well he was playing before that, you could see the literal drop off in effort from his stats. He, like you mentioned, he was going from averaging the most points in the league, 35 plus to averaging like 20 over the, like the last four or five games he was there before he got traded. And then he's throwing the team under the bus saying, we're just not good enough. And there's also this, the, the general knowledge that he is the main architect of that team. How are you going to look at the person who's in charge of developing a building? And then at the end of it, he says, you know what? I hate this project. I hate the way it looks. I hate the arches. I hate the windows. I hate the doors. Bro, you don't want to put them in here. You're the one who said you wanted these pieces. You now, bought all of these. We brought them together. Now, can now you I would say, say, say No, wait a second. Hold on. Now, just hold on. I will say this. All right, go ahead. Go ahead. Finish your point. Go ahead. No, I'm about to be finished. I'm going to pass it back to you, Passion. Just calm down for a second because I'm just saying you can't be mad at the organization because they gave you what you wanted. And it turns out you didn't like what you wanted. That, that's not on them. That's on you. But that's all I got to say. Go ahead. Now, I would say in going into this season, you know, uh, besides the John Wall trade that he kind of okay, because we see that, like, like even John Wall came out, there wasn't any real chemistry going on between those two, but he just kind of like, okay, the trade just to see. I feel like with the moves that they made this past year, it wasn't really, you know, things that you want because you got enough. Yeah, I remember. Darryl Morey was gone. You know, then Tony's gone. So those are his two main guys. Like, Darryl Morey was the guy that took the chance on him and took that trade from, you know, OKC and made him the guy there. So he trusted right. him. Then Tony was the guy that made him this offensive juggernaut. Not saying he wasn't one before, but, you know, him playing with Kevin McHale, you know, we didn't get to see him flourish as much until Dan Tony came there and built the offense around him. So you had those two people gone. Now you have, like, these players. You have DeMarcus Cousins come in, John Wall come in, you know, now, I mean, eventually they traded for, like, Victor Oladipo, which is funny because I haven't heard too many people talk about this. And I, I, there's no, like, shade thrown at them. But Houston, to me, now kind of seems like the redemption team because you have, like, players who are coming back from injuries who trying to, you know, they got a little chip on their shoulder. They're trying to, like, prove to people they still got it. Boogie, John Wall, who's – John Wall's playing good. You know, Boogie's averaging under 10 points. You know, he's coming off the bench to Christian Wood. He's playing phenomenal, but he's injured right Amazing. now. Most of um, player. It, he's up there. He is. Um, and you got Victor Oladipo now, too, who, who's there, who they traded, you know, Alicia for Karras but then they sent him to Indiana for, you know, Victor. Um, yeah. You got those type of players there who who is supposed to be your star players. But, you know, like I said, they are kind of like coming back from injury. People kind of forgot about them, you know, but they are still a good competitive team. When I watched them, Houston, you know, is top in defense. I like them. 
They are. John Wall's been a great defender. They are. They and they got a lot of good wins. They got some young guys in Jay Shante. They picked up Sterling Brown from Milwaukee. Uh, they still got like some of the key guys they had with the, when they went on the run with James Harden. Mm-hmm. They still got PJ Tucker. They still got Eric Gordon who plays good too. Uh, they still mm-hmm. got Ben McLemore. They got some of those key guys still there. Um, but. I can see what James said because, you know, at this point in his career, he even said to himself, he's done everything he, you could have done individually. Now he's at the point where he wants to, you know, do something collectively. And I, and I see right. that with him in Brooklyn right now. People complain about, oh, he's not scoring as much, this and that. But he wants to play in that playmaker role. He wants, you know, to not have that offensive load on him anymore, as he stated, that it became draining to him in Houston. So that that's how I feel in the situation. I mean, I get all of that, and all that can be true. I'm not really debating the actual basketball logistics of whether he wanted to be with Kyrie and Kevin Durant versus Christian Wood and DeMarcus Cousins. Like, I'm not, I mean, I'm not arguing that. What I'm arguing is, why do you have to go about it like that? Like, for a guy to have been in a great relationship with an organization since 2013, because he'd been there for seven, eight years at that point, and to have seven years of them catering to you, and then have one year where they, the organization themselves didn't even really do anything, because Mike D'Antoni moved on on his own. Darren Morey moved on on his own. None of them were fired by the organization. They decided to move on, so that's not the Rockets' fault. And then right have them... I mean, okay, it's all right on the wall, and that's cool. But that's not on the organization. At that point, if anything, that's more on James Harden because they wouldn't have left if they felt like James Harden was a guy because the organization was doing everything James Harden wanted to do. If you look back at all the playoff runs, who was the the one commonality on all those disappointing seasons? James Harden. All of those playoffs, James Harden played worse than he did in the regular season. You can say however you want to say it if you choked or not, but he not played worse last, than he did in the regular I, season. Not the last season. I don't think. Like, I don't think this past uh, postseason. I don't think he played that bad. No, he, that, was, that was definitely the best one that he's had since pretty much 2015. But at the same time, you've got to say that James Harden is more at fault than the organization. In my opinion, if, if I'm the one writing the, the defending statement for the Houston Rockets, that's what I'm saying. On top of that, they did as best as they, as they could with what they had to play with because they had a whole bunch of bad contracts, no draft picks because of the things that James Harden wanted them to do. And they put together, considering what they could have done, the least, the most that they could do. Not to mention, if you really consider, because when you look at a lot of these stars, what is the reason they leave? Why did PG leave Indiana? Why did why did people think Giannis is going to leave the Bucks? Why did LeBron, LeBron leave the, the Cavs Pel- and AD leave the Pelicans? Okay. Because, oh, the organization's not doing enough to cater to them and help them win now. Nobody, including James Harden, can say that about the Rockets. If there's any organization that can be shown to be a model organization around putting the pieces that your star wants it would be the Rockets because no other team has done that. So with all that in mind, I have no problem with James Harden wanting to leave. I just do not like the way he went about it because he pretty much had this great relationship. And then after a couple of arguments and fights and things he didn't like, he basically said, F that B and did the dash and did them dirtier than they deserve. That's all I'm saying. Now, I I don't want to look at it from like a negative, like mindset of him just like, you know, I know it was kind of what we thought of at the beginning. He's like, you know, F this, I'm done. But now now thinking about it, you know, as I even described the team now, and even when you point out with Daryl Morey and Mike D'Antoni leaving on their own accord, it's just like the team ran its course, basically. And it's, it's not it's not uncommon. Team, it happens in the league Windows all closed. the time. Windows closed. Like the team just ran its course and he just wanted to move on. You know, we see mm-hmm. some players who like who mm-hmm. are just for life it's for their team, who's going to ride or die with them no matter what. We've seen it more common back then, but now in this day and age where players have more power, players, you know, decide where they want to go and they are, have more leverage now. You know, he saw the right, like the right on the wall, like, okay, 
I even though he was catered to the most, you know, the team, it was where else could they go from there? They wasn't gonna get any bigger names. He wasn't gonna get Steph Curry. He wasn't gonna get I agree with all of them. Yeah. I'm I I'm not even disagreeing with that. I just don't like the way he went about it because there was a much more not, but it wasn't way. that bad. Like though. even he couldn't. He was literally now. went to the. He literally went to the media and said, "This team is not good enough. I don't want to be here." And then dipped. And then he. And you can literally see it in his stats that this man just stopped. He didn't. Right. He didn't. Now he did not. Now don't put words in his mouth. He didn't say, "I do not want to be here." Because you talking about the last press. Okay. He did not. Now. Okay. He okay. didn't say, he "I didn't do say not it. want to be he here." He did not say it deliberately. He said, "This team's not good enough. I don't know what else to do." Blah blah blah. I don't have the transcript in front of me, but it was obvious to anyone who had ever heard a passive aggressive. I don't want to be here. He didn't want to be. There. But he tried. That's why he got but he tried though. It, this this was after he played though. It's not like he just said that. You know, I know he was kind of wanted to leave. Why, why, why is it so season. hard? Why is it just so? So why is it so hard for you to acknowledge the fact that he went about it in a way that was not showing any respect to the Rockets? How did he put effort in when he, he played? Was he played with the team and like he just saw like okay. Now he did show up out of shape. We like James Harden. James Harden is at some fault. He showed up out of shape. He was going now, to the club. He was during training camp. During training he was, camp, partying with little baby, getting a honey bun okay. for a honey bun. Okay, so imagine right now if you had work right now and then they saw you on this podcast or they saw you at the club with your girl or they saw you doing something that's not doing your job at the time that you're supposed to be there when everybody else shows up. What does that say? Is that respectful? Is that trying? Because was he doing that before, though? Was he doing hey, that I'm before? Trying, I'm trying to get out. That's, that's, if I'm trying to get out, I got to do what I got to do. Okay. <laughs> I'll just play. Hey, <laughs> hey well, just, know if I'm the, just know if I'm the one writing your checks, some of them are going to be late. That's all I'm gonna say. That's all I'm gonna say. Hey, no, that's a let me be an NBA owner. Let me let me be an NBA owner. Some stuff like this slide. Trust me, the CBA is gonna be totally different because I ain't playing that. Now that 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 is that is the big question, you know, with 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 things like that, and you know, with the Pelicans, you know, moving AD and and we've seen these players kind of forcing their way out. You know, if Giannis would have done it, that really would have like set the catalyst of like, okay, these owners won't go one was going to try to take back control. Cause I stated, you know, the players have a little bit, you know, a little bit of leverage. It's 50 50 now with them. They got the a little owners. too much leverage, in my opinion. I love and I love fighting for the players. I'm pro player, obviously, but I just don't like the idea of an employee basically being able to just straight up say, you know what, I'm not gonna do my job and you're gonna pay me while I'm not doing it. Literally, if you don't want to play, that is fine. But the same way, if you call into your work shift, you don't get paid your hourly wage, you shouldn't get paid for games you don't play. Simple as that. I don't think he should have got paid. I don't think Kyrie should have been getting paid. I don't think when Andre Iguodala was with Memphis, I don't think he should have been getting paid while he was there. Like, no, you can't get paid and not show up to work. You you can't do that. I'm sorry. I just don't believe in that. Everything else is fine, but no, I'm not, I'm not playing that. If you want to sacrifice checks, that's on you. Like, I can't tell you to come here and get paid, but you won't get paid if you don't come. Simple as that. That's definitely a discussion they'll be having in the next CBA meeting coming up. I know they will. So let's talk about, you know, a discussion that's been going on that the NBA and MBPA had begin the season. But some players feel like, you know, the NBA kind of betrayed them with this decision of having an all-star game. Uh, this mm-hmm. Now, usually the all-star game would be this weekend, a Valentine's Day weekend. But as it's a shortened season, and it started a little bit later. That's not the course, uh, or that's not the case, I should say. Uh, this is scheduled to happen on March 7th. Now, it won't be a full weekend, as they've been discussing. They're planning on, because, you know, we got players like LeBron coming out saying, and which he rightfully can say, you know, he thought right. coming to the season, they wasn't going to have an all-star break. So he's going to use that week to, you know, rest and recover. And, you know, with him going to the finals and winning the championship, and him being at the age, very understandable. 
especially with him looking to get another one this year. Very understandable. Now, with some of these other players, you know, talking about it, you know, like Giannis, he's kind of like echoing the same sentiment about him being tired. Not not the COVID case. You know, he he, he kind of mentioned it, but he was echoing saying that he'll be tired too. I don't know why. He got eliminated in the second round. Okay, had, but it's not even about that, though. They squeezed on. 72 games in hold with on. two less months. That's a, that is a bigger load on they, him. But they had a four-month. Forget people like that. Why is he not allowed to? So, they, they start the season. So he's not allowed to be tired because. So he's not allowed to be tired as a professional athlete who practices, who trains his body, who plays 40 plus, who's playing 40 plus minutes a game. He's just not supposed to be generally tired. People who work normal jobs that aren't as physically demanding. Now, Giannis don't play that much tired. minutes. Giannis don't play that much minutes. He play, okay, he plays 36, but he's a physical player who takes a beating and is running up and down the court most of the time he's playing. And we, as normal people working jobs, we sit in front of a computer with a or wherever it is that we go can feel tired from a normal work day. But then literal professional athletes whose job is to be physically doing something constantly aren't allowed to just be generally tired. Now, look, okay. Like I said, from LeBron's point, I understand. He 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 actually went to the finals and then season ended in mid-October and they came back in December and they had a 72-day break in between. Giannis, on the other hand, you know, the whole NBA had that four-month break in between from March to July 31st when the league started back up. They had that, they had that break, or at the beginning of July when they went into training camp, uh going into the bubble. They had that four-month break. That was a break right there. Now, with Giannis. He got eliminated, what, second round? So he got eliminated early September, August. He was gone. And it's the season to start back to December. you telling me there's not enough rest for Giannis? Come on, LeBron and the Heat, I understand. Even the conference finals teams, I understand. Because they went to furthest. But Giannis, it ain't like his series went to a game seven. He, he got he got done in, what, five games? It was over with for him. They was, they was done. Gen- gentlemen sweep. So, you know, what, see, none what of that, none and he, was even, and he was even gone. Like, the last two games of the series, he was gone. Okay, so the same people who are making this argument are the same people who are in college right now and who are mad saying, why don't we get a spring break? Why don't we get a spring break? Because they feel like they deserve that break because it's something they were told they, were, they are supposed to have as college students. And now they don't have it, and they're thinking about the rest they could have got for that week that they no longer get. Why is it any different for an NBA player who's actually putting the body on the line consistently all day and one of the most physically demanding games in the world, and then when they were told, I'm gonna have break time, and then they don't get break time. And then as human beings who get tired, I don't care if they're in the NBA, if they're in the CBA, if they're in the NBA 2K league, people get tired. And now they're not allowed to say that. So I don't, I don't like the tired argument. That don't make sense to me. If you wanna talk about that, that's fine. But really what it comes down to is a health issue and then optics, because like we said, with Kevin Durant, oh, okay, contact tracing, trace back to him. Let's not put him back in the game. Fine, you can do that if you're consistent. But then the same organization that will make that call will say, hey, let's, for no other reason outside of the fact that we want to make some more money, which makes sense because, you know, lost a lot of money during COVID. I respect that on a business tip. I get that. But one thing cannot be true. And then the opposite also be true at the same time. These things are mutually exclusive. You cannot care so much about contact tracing and COVID and health concerns that you pull somebody who's already been in the game for a half in a normal regular season game that has to be played out of a game. But then say, let's have 24 of the best players in the league come together for no other reason than because we want to make money. That doesn't make sense. And imagine if one of them did have COVID. 
you know what how much damage that would do to the NBA? Let's say if for some reason Chris Middleton found out he had he had COVID and he was there. And they contacted him. Great season, by the way, too. Well, he's having a great season, way under the radar. He, there's a ton of players, and I don't know if we're talking about that or not. I don't think we are, but we definitely should talk about some of these people who are having great seasons in the all-star teams and whatnot. But so let's say one, one random person has it. And now literally that means LeBron's going to be out for two weeks. Giannis is out for two weeks. Joel Embiid's out for two weeks. All these players are out for two weeks. And how would that hurt their revenues? If you want to talk about just the all-star game, okay, cool. But imagine if for two weeks, literally the 24 best players are out of the game. That would be way bigger of a hit than whatever game they would get from the all-star game. So in that perspective, I get why they're doing it. I just think it is dumb. And I understand all-star games are important because people's literally has their contracts tied to all-star selections, but you could easily still do your all-star selections and then just not have the game. That would be fine. So now, they can have it. Now, now from the health perspective, I'm going to agree with you on it. Uh, I know we kind of disagree on the tiredness point, but on the health perspective, I definitely agree with you on that. And that's a great point you brought up about like, say one of these players caught COVID and they, and they have them all there in Atlanta of all cities, which is one of the most open cities right. in the nation right now, which the NBA players even pointed out, you know, the, the damage, the ramifications that can come from one of them testing positive and all of them have to do contact tracing and keep getting tested. Right. And come from that. That will that, be a definite, uh, significant hit to the business. But also, you know, the benefit where you say, you know, they can have the all-star selection, which some of them have said, you know, they can just take the all-star selection, won't play the game. You got to think about some of these all-star selections, you know, it'll be the first game for some of these people like a Jalen Brown or Zach Levine, who's in a running for all-star this year. Um, Mm -hmm. But then you also look at the game itself this year. They are planning, you know, Chris Paul and they've been talking about, you know, having the money go to COVID relief and donate money to HBCUs and that matters. So it's there is a positive that comes from having the game itself and, you know, just hosting the game and the money that comes from it. But from the health perspective, you know, it makes sense. It's, it, I understand the players on that and the, what's the rationale. And like you said, the inconsistency. So are you pro game or are you anti game? Hmm. I'm anti. I don't think they should have it. You know, as a as a basketball fan, selfishly. I want it, but being rational and thinking about it I and like with the health protocols and what's going on, and especially, you know, with numbers growing and, and in some places decreasing, I'm going to say no. I'm going to say I'm against it. Um, I mean, we're you know, talking basketball. Car into the towns, I saw him speak. Yeah, like especially, I mean. Look, I'm going to say, you know, Car into the towns who just came back, you know, he was talking about it because they asked him about it. You know, he just got done battling with COVID and he said he had it the worst. He didn't get it where it was just like, asymptomatic and we know his history where his mother just passed yeah, from it's it been and, killing he had, his and he family. had other people in his family yeah it's been taking over his family so dealing with that anxiety and just having it all you know prayers go out to Cardin Towns he's he's going through it with COVID himself so from like I said from the health perspective I'm against the game happening but selfishly as a basketball fan I want to see it yeah, I mean, from the basketball sense, I mean, of course, I, so I would let's go love ahead to see and move it. in. Go ahead. Yeah, from the basketball sense, I would love to see it. I just, I don't think right now it is the wisest thing to do from a business sense, from a humanitarian sense. I just think that it is not the best allocation of time, of resources, of putting people in harm's way. There, there are so many other things that if they really cared about COVID, COVID relief. If they want to celebrate, you know, first time All-Stars, I just feel like there are a lot of safer, more viable ways to do that. And obviously I get, you know, Jalen Brown, 
Zach Levine, Julius Randle, there's a lot of people who are probably going to have first-time All-Star selections. And that, I mean, it sucks. It definitely sucks. But as people who didn't even get a graduation because of COVID, because yeah. of the safetyness of it, like sometimes traditions have to be skirted around and put to the side for the sake of what's right. So And for the future, yeah. Exactly. So that's so, all. So speaking of the future, Luka Doncic coming into the season, you know, he's been – Pegged as you know, a top MVP candidate. You know, betting odds had him as like the number one favorite to be MVP candidate. You have him as MVP candidate. You praised him even before last year, before his season. You know, coming off his rookie season, you say he's gonna be a top guy in the league, which he still is. But uh, his MVP candidacy doesn't seem to be doing too well. You know, the Mavs are at the bottom of the West right now, as we see. Um, but Lately, I will say lately, you know, Christoph Porzingis has come back. You know, he's starting to play a little bit more consistently now. Uh, they are on a three-game winning streak. You know, they won a big game against the Warriors last Saturday after getting blown out by them, by them the Wednesday before. Uh, they beat the Timberwolves on Monday. They also beat the Hawks on Wednesday, which was a close game where they came back by 13 points in the fourth quarter, too. Um, and now, you know, they, like I said, they're on a big three-game winning streak. Tim Hardaway has stepped up for them coming off the bench. But Luca himself, you know, even with his numbers, not as best, not as best as it was last year, but still having great numbers. His shooting percentages are down. Um, he himself even knows that he's not an MVP candidate. So right. as it stands right now, in the first half of the season, given that, you know, there's gonna be a second half of the season coming soon. And like I said, they're on this win streak now. Do you see Luka Luka Doncic? Still being MVP candidate somewhat this season, given that let's say they make a complete run in the second half of the season, because they also have one of the hardest schedules at the beginning of the season. Given that they go on a complete dominated run in the second half of the season, is Luka Doncic still an MVP candidate to you? Uh, I think if they are able to make a push here at the end of the year, I think it would be really tough because you got guys like LeBron and Joel Embiid who are playing phenomenally and they're already, you know, on the top teams in their respective conferences. So for him to be able to come back from behind would be very difficult, especially considering the fact that both of those guys, co-stars aren't playing their best basketball. Like AD's had pretty much an off season, like him and Julius Randle, like Julius Randle monster him, I guess he took all of his skill and his talent. <laughs> look at the stat AD line, is in the space jam movie. Yes, exactly. So I guess he took his role a little bit too serious. He's out here method acting in the middle of the season. I don't know what he's doing. And Ben Simmons has been pretty much a no-show this season, to say the less. The Chris, Chris Brown, Brown of the, the league. league. <laughs> Chris Brown, as you like to say. So I, I think it would be really difficult I'm the only one. to do that. You, know, you ain't the only one. I, I can see that. It's got a ring to it. It's catchy. But uh, I think that Luca's got a he's got a chance if he can come back. There's not really – outside of those two, there's not really anybody who comes to Jokic. mind like – the Nuggets aren't good enough for him to be there. Nuggets still, aren't good enough for the team. They're still a top five seed in the West. Are they top five now? Yeah, they're number four. Or they, they might be number five. Cause I know that the Suns is number four. They, they, okay, they, they're number they're, five. No, they're, no, they're not. They're seventh. No, they're, they're seventh? seventh right now. Oh, they yeah, they're seventh. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, because they haven't had that great of a season. So I don't, I don't think they were that high. So he's not high enough. Okay. Uh, Giannis is not – they're not, they're not going to pick Giannis again. Like, I'm, I'm sorry, unless he just has an amazing season, he's not going to get picked. I don't think any of the Brooklyn Nets guys are going to get picked. There's just too much star power there. Kevin? Ke- even Kevin Durant, he's having a good year? No, I don't, I don't think so. Just Steph because Curry? You see, uh, st- now, Steph has a chance. I don't think he'll be able now, to do it. Now, time out. How are you going to put Steph Curry in there, but you can't put Yoke? Because he's got narrative, though. 
Because he's got narrative. You know, narrative plays a part in this. Yoke but, 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 but where does the Warriors put? Where does the Warriors play? We'll talk about that later. But keep going. We'll talk about that later. Right. Go ahead. But but long story short, I'm saying Luca will have a chance. I just find it very difficult without him having a good record. Like they they have to be a top four seed, and they'd have to be his numbers would have to be ridiculous. Like he'd have to average a triple double for sure, uh, and they'd have to get at least up to like top four seed. So uh, it's possible. I wouldn't put my money on it. At this point, my money's either on LeBron or Joel Embiid, but uh, we'll see. Now, I will give I will give them a little slack because they, you know, the team was dealing with a lot of like COVID issues and began the season having players out, multiple players out at a time. You know, injuries. Like I say, Kristaps Zing is coming back recently. Um, Maxi Kleber coming back. You know, we we know and Dwight Powell. I think he's back too. We know he got hurt last season with his ACL injury. Uh, Tim Hardaway Jr. You know, he even opted himself to come off the bench. You know, they recently we know we traded they we know they traded Josh Richardson, you know, for Steph for Seth Curry, who they had last season, who who's doing very well in Philadelphia right now. Who's I saw a stat where he's like in 50 50, 100 club. He has his own club going on right now. Not 50, not 50, 40, oh, 90, yeah. but 50, 50, 100 from the field. He's doing nice in Philly oh, right kidding. now. He's killing it. He's he's he's, he's been, they definitely should have kept him in Dallas. Definitely should have kept him. But I see why they did it for Josh Richardson, who's like a better defender, and they want to get better on that end. Cause we know they was the top offensive team last year, one of the best offenses in the entire league history. But you know, with them not being in sync and not having that chemistry, it's kind of went down. But like I said, they're on a three-game winning streak now. So I hope with them all playing together, you know, they can at least get some type of run. Obviously, I don't think they'll get in the top five seed, not not this, not this late into the season, but at least make a playoff push. And you know, who's we're still at the halfway point. Might, it's, it's possible. They're at the halfway point right now. So there's been bigger turnaround still- before. Because we got 72 games. We're only they've only played 26. I know some of them were postponed because of COVID. So I don't know how many of the games that they had possible that they missed, but they still got at least half a season. And uh, you know, they're not a ridiculously far off amount. Like it's not like they're the Timberwolves six and nineteen. They're two games under five hundred. They're with a couple of slides from some of the people in front of them, they can do it. I, I just wouldn't put my money on him being able to win MVP. I still say the Mavs are gonna be top five seed. I think I had them at the, as a three seed when I was talking yeah. about rankings earlier. So I, I could see them getting back up to there, honestly. Now staying with Dallas, uh moving from the on the court to get a little bit off the court about the Mavericks organization. Uh, they have been instructed by the NBA recently to play the national anthem after not playing this entire season. Now, like I said, they have not been playing the national anthem this entire season, and they haven't been having fans inside as well. They recently started letting people in, but uh, they have been uh, healthcare workers and he, like heroes in the town that the Mavericks have been inviting in, you know, front front health healthcare and frontline workers that the Mavs have been inviting to the games to show them support for. And, you know, because of that, they have like because of the fans coming in back into the arena, they have started playing national anthem, which they have no problem doing. But there's a lot of discussion going on, like a little controversy going on about this, you know, because this is like the first that we've seen of a sports team not playing the national anthem before the game. As you know, this is something that's been done for since this is we can remember since the dawn of time since, since any time right you know since we, we started playing these games exactly like we even said like we said the pledge of allegiance in school growing up which apparently i didn't know this 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 show my age even though i'm not even that fucking old i'm young i'm 22 but they don't even do the pledge of allegiance in school anymore 
Which they I don't, don't even know. Apparently when? they don't. When? When they stop doing that? I, I don't know. Apparently they don't. I, I saw some word that they don't even do the Pledge of Allegiance in, in most schools anymore. So huh, that, Okay, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. I didn't know that either because exactly, we grew up doing that. So, you know, Cuban discussed about how this wasn't really a decision, you know, to attack the nation or to, to degrade the flag. They still have the flag in the arena and they still hoisted up. But, you know, they, like I said, they didn't have no problem playing the other night. But this is coming after discussions that they had, ongoing discussions they had with the community about whether or not the anthem probably represents them. Now, as you know, a little history lesson for those people who don't know, but I'm pretty sure in this day and age, most people know the national anthem is written by Francis Scott Key. Now, the national anthem that is sung is not the full national anthem that was written. Because in it, you know, there is some words in there, you know, the great... Second verse a little spicy. It's it a, is a little spicy. spicy. You know, it's yeah. the great, you know, people of color like me and you and, and really not representing, you know, America as a whole. Now, my question to you, you know, as we, you know, as we reflect on that, and like I say, they don't even play the Pledge of Allegiance anymore. Should the national anthem be played before the start of games, like... Is it even like, should it like, is it even a debate? Should we even have national anthems to be played to start the games? Do you even care? Yes or no? Uh, well, it's a traditional thing. I feel like it shouldn't be required because I saw the NBA said that they have to play it, or at least yeah. they're saying that they have to. So I feel like it shouldn't be required. But I, at the same time, I could see where people stand on this in terms of, oh, you know, this is a time for us to come together. And the national anthem brings us together. But where was that energy at in 18 before 1865? And the national anthem been around for a long time. But y'all had no problem with us not being unified then. What about before 1968? Y'all have a problem with us not really being together then. And now it's like, okay, well, obviously all the stuff that's happened this year. And maybe Mark Cuban doesn't want to do that. You know, the most of the players on this team are minorities. You know, I can't. I don't know specifically, but he's got a lot of black players on there, and I'm sure a lot of people from of from out the country too. Yeah, and, yeah, and to foreign, a lot yeah, of foreign yeah, a lot of foreigners, a lot of foreigners, a lot of a lot of people of color, and I imagine some of them probably have expressed some of their concerns and qualms with the with the United States right now. And from that perspective, if he and his, him and his team and his staff say they don't want to do the national anthem, I don't think they should have to. And I don't like this idea of it just being this traditional thing because everything is tradition until it's not. It was tradition to have, to have black people be slaves. It was tradition for black people and white people not to eat in the same places. It was tradition for for gay people not be able to get married. All these things are tradition. Tradition changes over time. And having people say, well, that's how it's always been. If anything, that's a reason for me to say, maybe we should try it, not doing it and see what happens. So I don't have problem with it either way my thing is if you're going to do it people need to be able to kneel though like, if you're going to do that you can't make them stand up too because now at that point you're just infringing on people's freedom of expression so i say mark cuban you should be able to do whatever you want to pay billions of dollars for that team at least millions turn worth billions now but you know he's paid all this money it's his team he owns it technically it is a privately held company of his within the nba I guess the NBA is more of this surrogate organization that is like a, a like a, a HOA level kind of thing between people and homeowners, the same way with the NBA and the NBA's teams. But man, just let him do him. And y'all got a problem with that, then that's a problem you gotta take it with Mark, but let him make that decision. Now I think you made a great point. It was gonna it was something I was gonna bring up about just breaking tradition. I feel like that's what a lot of people kind of had a qualm with this and there were, that was their issue. Because as we see with a lot of things going on, as things are starting to change in the country, you know, people not being as accepting of new rules and regulations that's coming in that's 
actually include that's being inclusive of everyone you know we've seen mm-hmm. you know how people are reacting you know there are people out there like the, the capital rioters on january 6 who are against you know just kind of unification and just racists racist you know sexist all those type of people that like want to keep traditions and in this day and age where we are people are becoming I ain't gonna you, you hear people say people are coming more dumb these days because if I say more people, especially the younger generation, are becoming more aware and uh more smart on just more how some traditions yeah, just how some of these traditions that us as Americans have held in this country for so long don't need to be traditions that we need to keep going forward. Cause yeah, this right. might have been the way we've done things in the past. But look at how some of these things, how some of these traditions have affected the people of this great nation. You know, like I said, with the national anthem, it really, like I said, if you really sung the whole entire song and look at the person that wrote it and what their intentions was behind it, we know that that song wasn't written for black people like us. Like, come on, we we know it wasn't meant for minorities. We we know what the intentions were is for white people, and you know, as a nation, as we're trying to be better and trying to become more inclusive, and you know, as organizations across the across the nation are trying to express this diversity, I think there are times where we should break these traditions that are that are held and that's American. What is but is it really American though? Like, is it really American to keep some of these traditions when America was founded because they these people that found this country when it changed? So, how much of how much of it is American if you want to stand fast in these old, tiring, you know, harmful traditions if you're not willing to change, which is the true American way and to express and, you know, to be inclusive. Cause that's, that's what the Puritans came over to the, to the, to America for, you know, we already had Native Americans here, but the Puritans came over from Europe. They came here for religious freedom and they came here for change. So it's kind of asinine now to see that, you know, these, the people in this nation now want to stand fast in these, some of these um, traditions that's been held and not want to change. So like you, I don't see no problem with it. Me actually being a member of the of the U, uh, U.S. Armed Forces, serving in the National Guard, I have no problem with it. Cause like I said, there's no degradation of the flag, there's no degradation of the country whatsoever. We still respect the country. We still there's still respect for the soldiers. But and no, some people I saw Cal Corver talk about it on the arena about how what standing for the flag during the national anthem meant to him. You know, he had a a, a person in his family who is a veteran. You know, he shed tears, you know, crying one time, you know, standing for the national anthem. And it means it means different things to different people. But I think there could be a conversation going forward about how we can come up with a better solution to include everyone in the national anthem or come up with maybe a, a new national anthem. Something that, you know, that can make everyone feel like they are American, make people of this nation, you know, feel like one, make people feel safe. I, I think it's, it's going to be maybe an ongoing discussion going towards in the future, maybe about what, what can be done to, you know, change this. If, if that ever comes up, um, right. speaking of changes, the jazz, the Utah jazz. Now we talked about Donovan. Mitchell and D. Now we talk Louisville, man, hey, Louisville guy. Louisville guy. I ain't got no Louisville swag with me, but they know. There they, 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 they they you know. Louisville guy. Uh, right. The Utah Jazz are on a roll. Best record in the league, sitting at 20 yes. and 5. Eat better, that, Shaq. 
<laughs> we talked about Don Mitchell, you know, on the show last time, but with his, you know, when his uh, interview with Shaq and, you know, Shaq questioned him and superstardom, but the Jazz has been on, I think, a 16, 17 game winning streak so far. Like, mm-hmm. it's it's incredible. You know, let, let me dive into it. So, Conley, Mike Conley has talked on J.J. Reddick's podcast saying that Coach Quinn Snyder, he said this is the team that he's waited for. You know, they they, they traded for Bogdanovich or they, uh, or they signed him to him to last season, before last season started. They traded for Mike Conley. They got Jordan Clarkson in a trade. And they still got some of their main guys with Donovan, Rudy Gobert, Joe Ingles, and those guys. Uh, Royce O'Neal, who's playing power four nine at 6'4". You know, they got all these guys. So they got all these shooters around. They got Gobert, who's being that rim-running protector and a defensive anchor down low. So they, they've been spraying. They lead the league right now in three-point percentage. I think in attempts, too. You know, they, they've been spraying. Like, oh, yeah, watching these guys... As a team, they're shooting like what forty percent from three right now. It's ridiculous, something like, like that. Yeah, forty percent from three on forty-two attempts, and it's ridiculous. ridiculous. They they even on the, and I am just on the offensive end is where they're shining on the defensive end as well. You know, having those type of guys, like I said, they have Royce O'Neal power forward, six foot four. The switches that they that these guys are able to do, and with Rudy Gobert, who's already a two-time defensive player of the year, and who you know is becoming a better perimeter defender as well. It's the defense is, is very stifling. And it's very, you know, qu- you know, it's quick. You know, with Don Mitchell being a star of this team, he's getting better. He's consistently getting better. Is this Jazz run? Is it real? Is, are they really a top team in the in the league? And will this continue on for them in the playoffs where it really matters most? I'm a little iffy on it just because, like we mentioned, they're tearing it up from three right now. They got five guys – Really, really four guys, because one of them is um, Jarrell Brantley, who's only shot shooting like one, three a game, so I can't really count him. But Donovan Mitchell, Jordan, John, Donovan Mitchell, Mike Conley, Bojan, and Joe Ingles, actually, and Royce O'Neal. So it's five guys are shooting over 40% right now. Personally, I think that might be an unsustainable number. I know we're about a third of the way into the season, so maybe they can't sustain. My money is they can't. I think their defense and their offensive output at least – as it is outside the three-point range, will be able to be sustainable. Donovan Mitchell, he's a scorer. He's a walk-in bucket, so I ain't got no problems with him. Mike Conley's actually been pretty good this season, which I've been waiting for because he was pretty sorry last year. And I was waiting for him to actually play like the Mike Conley that played in, in Memphis. And we're finally now seeing he's, that He's now. actually, on that, on that podcast with J.J. Reddick, he's actually came out and talked about how this year he's actually been clean. He became more comfortable and learned to play with Rudy Gobert, who was a rim runner like he is, instead of playing with Marcus. So, who, who knows a little bit on the slow side, but still a great center. Right. You know, that him getting more comfortable is, is contributing to why he's playing better this year. Yeah. So, overall, I think they're a good team. I still can't pick them over any of the L.A. teams. I think that Denver will eventually – get things right again. Uh, I will also say, though, that I said Jamal Murray would not play as good as he did in the bubble when the season started. You did not believe me, and I was right. Uh, but I still think both the L.A. teams are better than them. I would love to. I would love for them to prove me wrong, especially because Donovan Mitchell is one of my favorite players in the league, and especially because after somebody like Shaq says something to you like that, I just love sticking it to be. You know me. I love to prove people wrong, and I love to see others do the same. So I'm rooting for the Jazz, but if I had to put my money down on somebody, I would be selling Jazz stock when it came playoff time if they were playing against any team from L.A. <laughs> to the moon! To the moon! To the moon! <laughs> that was calling to the moon! To the moon! Jazz, jazz to the moon! Jazz to the moon! Jazz now, going I, to the moon! Now, I, I'm with you on that. I, I, I'm with you, because... 
we seen them in the playoffs last year. Now we saw they got eliminated first round against uh, the Nuggets, who came back three one, did it twice against the Clippers. We we saw what they did, but we saw Donovan Mitchell, you know, put on a show there. So yeah, just just God, just destroying the entire series. Just watching to go ahead, it was phenomenal to watch. But with if the threes don't hit, I saw Charles Barkley, you know, make this point too. You know, if the threes don't hit, what? Where does where, what happens to the offense then? You know what happens to the team then? Because they live they as teams not even just the Jazz, but teams around the league are just living by the three, and they being them being the best of the, in the league right now. You know a lot of teams are crediting. You know Steve Kerr said they look like the the Warriors back in 2014 during their championship run, and they said they look like them um, just because of just their style and just how fast they get up and down the court. Mm-hmm. Is it sustainable? That would be the real question, because other than Donovan Mitchell, who else is going to be that guy on the team that's really going, you know, when, if he's having a bad night, who's going to help him? You know, Jordan Clarkson been playing right. very good, six-man year. He's playing really good. He's six-man year. He's averaging 18 off the bench. Front-runner. Yes. Front he's, he's front-runner front runner. for candidate. Uh, is it can it be him? I see nice when he when he's went off and Donovan Mitchell ain't there. So it, could it be him? Is it Boyan? Is it Joe Ingles? I, I I don't. It's not gonna be Rudy Gobert. Rudy Gobert is not known for his offensive prowess. Nah. We know he's yeah. he's a good pick and roll guy. He's a good defender. But as far as like carrying that offensive load, and especially we know how playoff basketball is, it's a little bit more slowed down. So it how they will play in the playoffs, it will be intriguing to see, especially against some of these top teams like we, like we said, both the LA teams. Uh, we also have even in the West, you know, the Nuggets. What if the Trailblazers come and sneak in there when CJ McCollum comes back? He's been playing. He was playing phenomenal for his injury. The Suns, who's oh, yeah. number four seed right now, too. And, you know, a litany of I other told team. you about them. I told you about them Suns, didn't I? You did. But I hope it's real. You know, I'm, I'm intrigued because I, I, I would want to see another team to come in there to shake things up. But I'm still rooting for the Clippers to come out of the West this year. I feel like I, I feel like with them, I feel like they have a different mindset this year. I want them to come out. Of course, you're gonna say Lakers. We could we, we go we debate about that all the time, but I have them coming out. It ain't much of a debate. All right, we'll see. Old man Bron getting tired. He's 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 over he getting mad. Y'all y'all keep telling him that. Y'all keep telling him. He's that. no. He's, he's saying it now. He's I saying can't it. Tell. He's saying he said, "Oh, I, I'm too old to play these double overtime games." Blah blah blah. I'm tired. I don't want to do this. You talking about hey. that game where you hit that three to four OT? You talking about that one? Yeah, that, that's old Ben Bowen. Okay, he's, I'm telling better. you what he's saying. I'm t- I'm not making this. I'm telling you what he's saying. He's saying well, he's I'm tired. telling you what I'm seeing. I'm telling you what I'm seeing. Right. He's MVP right. candidate. He's MVP candidate over Kawhi, ain't he? All right, he can be over MVP, MVP candidate over MVPG, ain't he? You know why he's MVP candidate? Because LeBron's numbers are actually kind of... They have a better record. They have a better record. That's really the only reason. That's really the only reason. Uh, and he's old. And he's old. That's the real narrative. Because his numbers are, like, just the same, if not a little bit down than usual. So I don't... So I don't really... If you really okay, look at bro, his numbers... At the end of the day, the only people who worry about regular season accolades are people who don't win nothing in the postseason. So if you want the MVP... But LeBron, the one who complained about MVP candidacy. Bro, we ain't going to go into this, bro. It's all right. He got finals MVPs. Ain't worry about that. You wouldn't know about that. You wouldn't know about that. So none of your teams have any of those. You ain't got none of them. Anyways, I I, I would like to see where the Jazz take it. You know, if they make it to the conference finals, hey, that'd be good. That'd be good for them. It makes them look better. You know, hopefully they'll be able maybe to attract somebody there. I would love for them to look at the. I would love them to lose to the Lakers in five in the conference finals. That would be a great outcome for me. We'll we'll see where they go. We'll see where they go in the postseason. Speaking of postseason 
and you know, phenomenal play, Steph Curry. Now we know the Warriors. Uh, they when they lost Clay Thompson in the beginning of the season, many of us basketball fans were hard because we was looking forward to having them two back on the court together and dominate the league. Because even with, with the players they have now, you know they they got Kelly Oubre who then started the season pretty good, but it's playing well now. Andrew Wiggins was playing very good. Drafted James Wiseman. You know you still got Draymond. You got Paschal there. Uh, you got you got good. You know you got some younger guys there, but you got a good group of guys. So losing Clay was kind of hurting them. But Steph Curry said, "Bump that." I'm still going to play my best basketball. I don't care. You know, in the last eight games, he's averaging 35.3 points. Last eight. Yeah, he had 40 last night. Dropped 10 threes on the Magic. 10 threes. I've been... His 17th time doing that, by the way. Oh, my God. And I've been watching them play, too, because you get your Warrior games on. And I'm out, man. Steph Curry does his thing. I'll never forget. I watched this play. People talk about when he comes off the screen, the way he just runs, and that's what kind of is what kind of makes him great. Is just his motion off the ball. Mm-hmm. I saw him come off like he inbounded a pass, and he he was on the left side of the rim. You know, he was sitting right there. Came off the screen. He passes it. I think it's Descano. I think. And he came right back off the screen. He just came off the screen, ready for a three. And I know. I say he's, he's looking for that three. Looking for that three. Wet. He gets it every time, and it's, it's 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 amazing watching him play this year. He's averaging, you know, for the season. I already said what he's averaging last night game, but the season he's averaging thirty points, six assists, five and a half rebounds, shooting forty nine percent from the field, forty four percent from three, and ninety three percent from the free throw line. He can enter the 50-40-90 club again. He can do it again. That's not the first time he's that close. If he could continues to shoot, he can be in it again. Now. We know the Warriors are in playoffs right now. Is this fun seeing Steph Curry play like this, given that there is no real stake in mind? Or, you know, or like what, what, what is it about watching Steph right now? That's still, that's still amazing because I tweeted out the other day, you know, Curry's hot and there's nothing better than seeing Curry when he's on fire. But knowing that there's no real championship implications this year, what is your take on just Steph Curry and just the Warriors itself as they are playing? I think it's just fun to watch good basketball. I don't think everybody needs to be a contender. Like when Russell Westbrook was averaging a triple-double that first year without KD, was there anyone who actually believed they had any chance of getting anywhere out instead of just the first round exit? Nobody. But it's just fun to watch because you're delusional. The rest of us knew. <laughs> the rest of us knew there was no chance, but it's just fun to watch good basketball. And like you said, there is, in my opinion, even as somebody who likes LeBron, who likes Kobe back when he was still playing, who's seen these microwave-type guys, there's nobody who's more fun to watch than Steph Curry because it's, it's just something so demoralizing to watch a guy literally just catch the ball and shoot from 40. And and just, <laughs> like even just thinking about it, it's ridiculous. I I would never want to defend. I didn't even catch the ball. Maybe even bring the ball down the court. Maybe even lose the ball. Like I, I remember distinctly when um he was playing against the Cavs. I think this was in 2018. It was either 2018 or 2019. I remember Kevin Love was defending him on the wing. And this man did one of his little double behind the back curry slides. This man loses the ball at the end of the shot clock, picks it up with both hands and just chucks it at the end of the shot clock from like 35 over Kevin Love. Coop, coop. And it's stuff like that is so exciting to watch when you're on the other side of the ball anyway. And it's just fun to watch that. And as somebody who came into the season, I will admit it, 
I look like I'm wrong. I didn't think the Golden State Warriors were going to be that good. And I was right the first five, six games of the season. They've really turned it around. I think they found a flow. They've actually learned how to hit anything except the broad side of the barn and actually can put the ball in the bucket. Draymond Green, and Draymond's one of those players that you can't really qualify how much he means to a team. But his basketball IQ, his movement off ball, his recognition of where Steph's going to be on the court and then figuring out how to best utilize the pieces on the court is his intangible. And his leadership. Like, it's, it's one of those intangible things that doesn't show up in a stat sheet. Him being back and playing big minutes has been big for them as well. So, I mean, I, they obviously aren't going anywhere, but Steph, if I don't think he'll be able to win MVP because at this point, as crazy as it is, he's not doing anything he hasn't done before. So he's not going to win MVP unless he start averaging like 40 points and become like a top four seed at this point. But I love watching him play. It's been so much fun to watch him back in action. And when Clay comes back, <laughs> I, five, I, nah, this, I don't know. When Clay come back. I don't know. If you, Six? you, nah, I don't know. LeBron, I don't know. LeBron will be throwing in trouble. But it, you know, we're playing games this year. I can see them slide. Where are they, where are they currently sit right now? In the, they're the, the AC. They're, they're the eight. AC. 14, they're the 12. AC. Yep. They're eight. Okay, so they so, already. In. So with the with the so with the bracket because the bracket is all the way up to down to ten. So I mean they're pretty comfortable in there. But the Mavs are the team that's the eleven right now. So I mean you know Mavs are probably gonna be moving up and kicking somebody out. But I think they're pretty comfortable. If they keep playing as they are now to be at least in the tournament. So seeing if they stay at the eighth seed spot and even even if they move up to the seventh seed. That's still, that's still a scary team to see, you know, because Steph Curry, like I said, he's still playing very well right now. And as Wiggins and them coming to their own, even Kelly Oubre, I saw when he went off last week against the Mavericks, you know. 37. He, exactly. And he was in threes, which was something he's been struggling with all season. So to see them go off, it, who's to say? They might they might be one of those teams that you don't want to see in the first round. But obviously going – they go, I don't know. They go, if they go against a team like the Jazz – I don't know. It might be they might be one of those. Two. It's, not, it's not. It wouldn't be the first time the Warriors done knocked off a top seed. We we said them done it before. Do we believe Warriors? We so, believe. So hey, it's it'll be interesting to bad. see. But we obviously know there's no championship contention there. Good job. Good job. Oh, we got we got something to say. Oh, oh no no no. Yeah, no. I didn't say. Oh no, I, I I agree. I agree with you 100. percent I just think that. They better not see the Lakers or the Clippers in the first round. If they see anybody else, I would give them a puncher's chance. But I don't think the Steph's going to be able to do that by himself against any of the LA teams. So if you if you ta- we'll if Utah says number one seed, that'd be interesting. That'd be interesting series to watch. But that's all we got to talk about today here on Trey Ball, uh, Bucket Patrol man. Thank you again. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> thank you once again for joining. Uh, thank you all for listening. What you got to say to close out the show. Uh, nothing except there's another fun show. Of course, y'all check out some of my content on YouTube. One time for the one time, because we're doing y'all some big things over the Bucket Patrol. If you want to check it out and see what it is, I would love for y'all to come by. And for real, Kendall, because I know we about to end the show on that one because I really want to talk about the damn All Star team because I love making my picks. I love making my selection. We, we can talk about we can talk about it next week. We can talk about it next week. When do they make picks though? Any picks coming up though? Because usually don't they pick mid February? I don't think so. I don't think I don't think voting in soon. I haven't seen things saying that the vote in soon. I, don't know, I know it's weird because of like when the season started. I just know generally this is around the time they start making selections for stars and whatnot. But I don't know the actual date. But I want to talk about that before it happens because I love making all-star teams. I love it. I love it. 
I know you do. So we'll we'll talk about that next time on the show. Uh, you all take care, y'all. Peace out. See ya. <laughs>